to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh. That's Sam. And right there is Micah. What's up, guys? I love how you said that as if we can see each other. I, I see you in my heart. <laughs> I was actually going to recommend that we somehow do a video while we're recording so I can see you guys while really we record. I can just, hard. all I can do is hear you. You know, know. we used to, I, I, we used to do that early uh-huh. in the show. We did. That's true. We did. And I do like that better. So, we need to go back to that. But that no. Of course, with that said, I know what my face looks like. So, I can sympathize <laughs> with the desire to just hear. <laughs> do you, do you st- I can't see you right now, but do you still have your beard going? I do. I'm in a hoodie and a beard. That's pretty much my normal, uh, my normal apparel in the office every day. Awesome. Awesome. Do you wear sunglasses so that everyone thinks that you're, the, it's your, you're the Unabomber? Oh, my gosh. I do not wear them that often. I do have my son's first baseball, first middle school baseball game this evening, and there's a chance of snow tomorrow morning. So, I'm going to have my hoodie and a stocking cap and sunglasses because it's going to be during the day and I'm going to freeze my tail off. What do you call it? A stocking cap? Yeah, like a, you know. Like a scully? A toboggan, a scully. Yeah, same thing. I don't say scully. It's a beanie. Beanie. I, I could say beanie. Beanie, scully, stocking cap, or toboggan. They're all the same. All right, there. Something to I keep just sent all the video announcements as we're talking. And as y'all get that, um, what are we going to do? Oh, Sam, tell us yes. about Church Initiative. We have this great sponsor, Church Initiative. Um, if you haven't already heard, our listeners, you need to hear this. Uh, this They have some great programs, some great resources, uh, two of which uh, we have to highlight, Grief Share and Divorce Care. Um, these are awesome outreach programs. Um, oh, yeah. And one of the things that makes them so great is – um, the, the recruitment, the promotion, um, all of that, you know, the, the church initiative helps you with that. They, these documentaries that they, these videos have kind of like a documentary feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really unique. Um, and we hear frequently from people that just report how people come to Christ through these things. Um, so you've got to check out divorce care, grief share. Um, they're wonderful for your own church family and mm-hmm. people that may have needs in your own church family, but it's also a good outreach tool as well. Um, so, the way that you can find out about both of these programs uh, is at churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. One more time, churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. Go check it out. Sorry. And they're great, great ministry options. I mean, we use them both at Brainerd. Glad to recommend them. I think you should be taking a look at using them in your own church. I think you'll find them fantastic. And given the topic today, one of these resources actually fits the topic extraordinarily well. That's right. I'm Grief go- Share Grief is share. wonderful for those who have lost a loved one, mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about funerals today. So, um, yeah. per- perhaps a bit unintentional and because, you know, we plan out our shows well in advance, right? So, um, but, but it does work. And, and so, as you listen to uh, what we're talking about on today's show, uh, be thinking about Grief Share. 
Um, and go check it out at churchinitiative.org forward slash EST. That's right. I'm going to finish this recording and then I'm going to jump in or I'm just going to kind of walk across the street, participate in a memorial service, a funeral service. And so yeah, don't jump into a funeral. That'd be a little I'm not going to jump into it. I'm just going to kind of. Hey, sit. guys. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> yeah. And so this one, I'm not, I'm not, I have no role other than just being there for our members. Uh, this person I, I did not personally know and. And they had stopped attending our church. They moved and kind of attended this other church for the last little while. So I'm happy to do that and be there with our members. Also, I just want our listeners to know that we started the show off talking about how they all wanted to, we wanted to see one another. And then I sent everybody a video invite and and everybody else still hasn't clicked in. So, so I just clicked on it and jumped in and nobody else was there. And it did a weird thing with my audio. So I turned it off. We'll have to figure it out before mm-hmm. the next, next, next episode recording. Okay. I muted it. So, anyways, let's talk about funerals. These are something that come up all the time, all the time. You know, there are um, all sorts of uh, – and and they tend to, like, kind of mess up your schedule. And that's – I think that would be one of the first things that I want to say is that you, what helped me early on was realizing that things like funeral services or – um, you know, those negative sort of interruptions to your calendar and to your week are not interruptions to ministry. They're actually ministry. They're, they, they are serving people. They are loving on people in their time of grief and those sort of things. Agreed. But I can see how some people feel like they're an interruption. Well, I think part of it depends on your personality probably to some degree. If you're super structured, mm-hmm. I think it can be uh, it can be challenging for you to have those plans disrupted and Unlike other things that happen in ministry, this is one of those things that happens right now and you have to deal with it right now. Everything has to be dropped in that moment. You go deal with the grieving family, help care for them. Funeral is going to happen 48, mm-hmm. 72 hours after the death. And so, I think, you, I think you're right, Josh. I think you have to view this as an incredibly helpful opportunity to, to care for a family. And I, I think you guys are the same. I look at weddings and funerals and they're often lumped together. I look at them in very different ways. Oh yeah. Uh, weddings don't give you, in my experience, don't give you a ton of opportunity to minister well to families. I, I would, in fact, I argue that the only time anybody ever remembers the pastor at a wedding is when they mess up. Like otherwise nobody <laughs> remembers what we said or that we were there. Mm-hmm. But That's funerals, but funerals give you a legitimate opportunity to care for, share the gospel, bring the love of Jesus to bear in a family's life. Yeah, and yeah. I am super structured. I mean, I'm I'm booked usually three, four weeks out completely. Um, and so when I get those um, urgent requests, I just have to rearrange my calendar. And I've gotten used to that mentally. And it has taken years for me to mm. get used to that. I, I and this is bad of me, but I, I used to kind of view the funeral as you know, oh man, this is a disruption or an interruption to my schedule. And that's a very selfish thing to think. Now, of course, you know intellectually in my head, I'm, I'm like, okay, these people are suffering. People don't plan their deaths. It's, you know, pretty rare for somebody to die in an expected time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we need to minister to them. But I've, I've gotten used to it and it, it did take a little work, did take a little discipline. And you just learn to adjust and be there for people because it is a it is a huge opportunity to minister to people. And, it, and you can also compound a lot of pain and grief, if if you are the shepherd, if you're somebody's pastor, and you don't, you don't even show up to the funeral, mm-hmm. you know, that that's bad. That's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and I think that Micah's right. This is a very good opportunity to minister to people. It it certainly warrants you dropping everything to, to go and be with people. I would, I would also bring up 
probably it's not i think selfishness is definitely one of the things i think the other driving factor that gets pastors frustrated about interruptions like funerals is our um people pleasing drive to kind of perform and so if this interruption takes away my study time or if it takes away what i was doing then you know i still have sunday coming i've got to put on a good show for sunday and so sometimes there's either that people pleasing or that lack of just kind of resting in our identity as pastors as as you know believers as redeemed those sort of things they drive there's an unhealthy drive there that would make people get resentful or bitter toward a funeral service or something that, like Completely you said nobody plans agree. that agree yeah. uh, the thing that i cut when i need to go to a funeral or plan for a funeral write a funeral sermon is my sermon. other study time yeah and and that's frustrating because you know that for, you know you're doing this for one family uh and that you have a whole church that needs to hear from you on sunday mm -hmm. um, but it is still the right thing to do and I think that God honors that reallocation of time. I just You just have to trust the Holy Spirit that, hey, your sermon may not be up to the standard that you want it to, but because you sacrificed your time, uh, God's still going to work. That's, that's um, one I, of the things I think is important, Sam, to remember. When you're honoring the Lord, you're serving people, the Lord's going to provide. He's going to answer. The, the Spirit of God is a far better preacher than you and I are. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, he's just going to be able, and, and I think we talked about this early on in the podcast. We haven't talked about it for a while, but pastoring is less about schedule and more about rhythms, right? Less about ritualistic schedule. You're going to have some weeks where you're just going to put in 60, 70 hours a week. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just going to happen. Uh, you, and that's why you take advantage of the lesser weeks when you have them and the Lord honors that. See, I really like my rhythms to be divided into 15 minute increments and only <laughs> last 40 hours a week. So that's really how yeah, well, my rhythms flow. <laughs> it's more like a cadence, less like a rhythm. If you so, want to work on average 40 hours a week, mm -hmm. don't be go a pastor. somewhere else. Yeah, don't yeah, can't. I am sorry. It just you can't be a good pastor working only 40 hours a week every week. It's just impossible. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I, and I, you can, I, but you're not going to do well. You're no, not you're gonna, not. You're not going to serve well generally. It's, and some may say, well, pastors are overworked or whatever. I think a lot of people are overworked in the American culture, um, and that's a whole other topic. But mm -hmm. uh, you're just not going to be able to pastor well. Um, and, and here's the thing: I feel for those bivocational pastors because some of them are that's right. You know, working forty, fifty hours a week and at, doing funerals. Um, wherever mm -hmm. and they're trying to fulfill obligations you know trying to do 40 hours a week and 20 hours at um you know they, they can only give 20 or 25 and, and they're right. trying to cram that you know make it 40 and it, it's hard it's very yeah. hard so now sam, for our bivo guys out there man i feel for shut you shut up um, so sam's talking about your average not like you ought not aspire to work 70 hours a week you ought to you know keep it in check so sam you um have a story it's not really even your story about funeral that's that's actually comical, which this is not something we laugh a lot about, but um, so tell this story about your dad. Oh, man, you're going to put me on the spot. He tells it so much better than me. <laughs> yeah, but he's not I on the podcast, it. and it is a magnificently incredible story. Okay, so it was my dad's, yeah, it was my dad's first funeral, uh -huh. and uh, we were living in Indiana at the time. And, you know, he had read some book. If I remember the story right. So, here's the thing. I may not, I may not even get the story right, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so make it a Rainerism and it'll be mostly right. Oh, listen, Rainers, we just, we just make stuff right up. Right-ish. It'll yeah, be right-ish. We just make it up on the spot. And, you know, as long as you say it confidently, then, you know, people don't question you. That's right. Um, so, 
we uh, so the story goes I was five or six at the time so I don't remember this but um, he had read some book that said you need to go when you're new the new pastor you need to go to the funeral home and uh, where you know yeah all the funeral homes and ask about the local traditions which that's very true every community has a different kind of way of doing funerals if micah i've there the east tennessee traditions are very different you know there's a mm-hmm. lot of evening funerals there's a lot of snake handling and you know that <laughs> i didn't go there but down here <laughs> no, in florida down kidding. here in florida it's all memorial services because hardly anybody gets buried because yeah. land is a premium and well to go six feet under is you know kind of hard uh at sea level so <laughs> we we do things very differently down here so anyway the book said to go talk to the funeral people and see what the traditions are, which is a good thing to do. Go introduce yourself if you're the new pastor or what have you, particularly in a small community. This was a smaller community. And so, he goes and and he had a funeral coming up and and they basically said that, you know, okay, this is kind of strange. You're right. We're glad you came by and you need to know this. Um, one of our traditions is that after you officiate the funeral, after you have said your message, you need to go and... Um, Gently, of course, kiss the corpse. And so, my dad did that. (laughs) He (laughs) preached his message. And much to the horror of the family, went and kissed. I forget if it was a a lady or a gentleman. uh, Kissed the corpse. And and when he turned around, he saw the, you know, everyone's looking at him. (laughs) He turned around. Psycho. He saw he saw the faces of the family and knew that something was up. And then mm-hmm. he looked at the back of the room where the funeral directors were, and and Dying, saw them laughing. rolling, rolling in laughter, <laughs> and and knew that he had been had. So that was Doctor Rayner's first funeral. What was yours like, Micah? My first, do you remember funeral? Man, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to remember what my first funeral. One of my first funerals. I don't remember. I don't think this was my very first funeral. But one of my first funerals was an 18-year-old high school senior who mm. uh, was in a car wreck at, in the middle of the night and was killed. And mm. That's hard. and it was uh, really hard, massive. I, I can remember as a young bivocational pastor, um, I think I went – it was a smaller church. And it was a it was a 125-year-old church, but our congregation was fairly young. We had a lot mm. of younger people in it. So, we didn't have – um, very many church members who passed away. And so I went something like my first four years as a bivocational pastor and every funeral I did was for a non-believer who was not a part of our church hmm. uh, for four years, three or four years. I mean, it was all non-believers who are not part of the That's church. That's hard. And uh, it was, but it, I'll tell you, it really helped me to think of, think through how do you preach, give the gospel yeah. as hope, not condemn the person to hell. You know, I mean, you don't want to do that if they're a non-believer. You want to, at this point, it doesn't do any good to do that. You want to give hope to those who are there to believe in Christ. But it's it can be tricky to help them say, you know, to say to them, if you want to know Christ and spend eternity with him, trust him while not saying, but this person didn't, you know. This person didn't. Um, yeah. And so, my, yeah. My that, first, uh, uh, I was a student pastor at, at the, the largest church in the little region there, which it wasn't that big of a church, but it was. And so, we got the first call whenever there was a funeral done by... And they just needed a preacher. Like, there there mm-hmm. wasn't a preacher. And so, they'd call and our pastor was busy. So, he just came over to my office. He couldn't do the funeral. So, he said, hey, you're up pretty much. Go. And so, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And, and so, he w- pretty much walked me through it real quick. You know, go change first and then, um, you know, go preach this funeral. 
and I I went I did it it, it went fine. The different the thing I remember about it is just how bad I cried. Like I cried and cried. I couldn't even barely get the stuff out, and the people were like, "How long did you know this person?" And I was like, "I've never met them before in my life." <laughs> <laughs> just was so sad. <laughs> so like I was just like broken by this little widow lady sitting by the you know the her husband who passed. So it was just. It's just really one of those silly stories about me crying. Sam, Micah said don't condemn them to hell because at that point it doesn't do any good. What are your, I don't know, your top two like helps for our listeners who they haven't done a funeral yet or maybe they've done a few and they felt like they were horrible. What's some advice? Yeah, a couple of tips. One, um, the name printed on the guide that is given out often um, is not the name that they go by. Yeah. Hmm. So particularly with older people. Uh, so, make sure that you ask if you don't know the person, okay, what what did they go by? Mm-hmm. Um, because the name, you know, that may be like their first name that no one has ever heard in 50 years mm-hmm. uh, that's printed on the handout. So, just make sure that uh, you get the name right. The other thing that I would say is talk to the family. Call the immediate family Please. and yeah. and just, just say, hey, tell me about so-and-so. Mm-hmm. You know, what 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 are some fond memories and then There's, bring and in, integrate those memories into uh into into your message mm-hmm. uh, and it can even just be like hey you know let's let's talk about so and so and you know i i know that he or she was interested in this and did this and right. hey i heard about this one time where uh they went on this trip and you guys had a great time and right. you want to be able particularly if you don't know the family i mean you want to be able to connect with them Right. Um, and th- that's where your message becomes meaningful. So, man, I want to be careful in how I say this. I mean, the text, uh, your your messages, the text should always drive what you say. But theology is not not as important at a funeral when it comes to you know relating to people. And and I, and I want to be careful how I say that because I think very highly of the Word of God. But you know, you you need you to make sure that there's <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure that we're personally connecting with people. So, I would say get the name right, call the family, uh, make sure you talk to them, uh, understand the service, understand what's going to happen, particularly if you have somebody else who's kind of planning the service, know the flow. Um, A lot of times, if you're at an established church and you're in a a smaller church situation, they are going to expect you to be the MC of the whole funeral. So, Mm -hmm. just be prepared to do that as well. And that that was going to be one of my tips is, for lack of a better word, go ahead and take control, not in a belligerent way, but often one of the best things that I've done is go into the funeral home. Uh, if you're, if you're a member and what we did was we just went to all the funeral homes and told them, Hey, if they say anything about our church, like we're thinking about having it there or we attended that church or something like that, call me immediately. And I would usually drop everything and go to that meeting when they're sitting down and they're actually doing the the on paper, which songs do you want, et cetera, because it, you just cut off so many, especially when I was in a smaller staff church, that you cut off so many of the unknowns. They're like, well, I don't know if that um, equipment can play this. I don't know if we can sing a special. I don't know if we can play. And so, earlier on when I wasn't doing that, we, we had people come in and somebody wanted to sing and they had an accompany track on, on a little a cassette. And we had no way to play a cassette. And so, they just assumed, you know, and so, it just throws everything off. And the few minutes right before the service, you're running around trying to figure out how to play a cassette, you know. So, um, take control early. And um, one of my advices is 
they'll they'll through tears look at you and go, I don't know how to do this. Like I don't and one of the best things that I've done to minister or I feel like is a ministry there is to say, okay, so typically it looks like this. And so I just say some things, you know, like this is how it normally goes. And I always say, you can't do this wrong. There's no wrong way to do this. So what do you feel is best? Those kind of things. Just walk them through those steps because they feel like, are we supposed to do songs? Is there supposed to be a song? Is people supposed to speak? You know, and, and that's things when you can go, yep, sometimes people do speak, but um, sometimes that also goes very long. So why don't we move the open mic situation to the lunch and let people share during the lunch for the family? You know, those kind of things help in the time when they just, they're grieving, you know, and the funeral director is just going to do whatever they ask, you know, that's their job. So you got to step in there and kind of add some guidance, I think. Yeah. I'd also say it's an op- an opportunity. I have somebody who's dedicated to help with the funerals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of equipped somebody else to be the, um, you know, I can have a wedding planner, right. um, you know, kind of be the funeral planner. Is that a volunteer um, position? Uh, or is it one yeah. of the staff side? Uh, well, kind of st- there is a, our worship pastor is kind of the point, uh-huh. but we do have others who kind of do the the legwork there. Um, so I this could is see that th- being a great volunteer position for like a, a retired deacon or somebody that's absolutely available to jump in there and help with that sort of stuff. That'd be cool. Th- don't try to put this all on yourself. Mm-hmm. This is a teaching opportunity and a chance for you to equip somebody to do some really good ministry to free you up just to be there for the family, so that you're not thinking through. All of the logistics of of the actual, you know, you know, ceremony, the actual funeral itself. So, it's I would say, you know, even in a small church, you know, look for that person who can run point. It'll help you out tremendously. Let me, I want to add something to what both of you guys have said over the past few minutes. Sam, to your point, when you said, make sure you talk to the family, mm-hmm. at least call them on the phone. I, I really think if at all possible, either have them with, have them in your officer, you go to their home. If you can go to their home, that's even better. But one of the things I found, not only is it helpful to hear them tell stories so that you can share some of those stories in the funeral, particularly if you didn't know the person well, but one of the most pastoral things you can do is help walk people through grieving and giving them a safe space and a a bit of structure to share stories, memories about their loved one is an incredibly helpful part of the grieving process. So it's not Mm -hmm. just beneficial for you gaining content for the message. You're really serving the family because up until then, I mean, I'm sure they're sharing some stories, but they're probably frantically saying, okay, how do we get this person here and who's going to do what? And we got to get these, you know, find these pictures. And even if it's for just 30 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half uh, for you all to sit down with the family and say, let's just talk together about your, the person you loved. It can be really cathartic. And then Josh, to your point about helping them guide them, I think, I think that's really helpful. I agree with that a hundred percent. You're going to be the expert on funerals. You don't have a financial interest vested in it, you know, unlike a funeral home, which, and I'm not, don't hear me. I'm not disparaging funeral homes at all. Praise the Lord for them. They do great work. Uh, But your whole point was just uh, care for the family. But the other thing I would say about that is when you, um, when you preach, I agree with Sam, stories are important. Scripture is good and needs to be mentioned. Just don't preach long. I've sat in funerals before and those funeral sermons will go 25, 30, 35 minutes long and everybody Mm -hmm. is just sort of struggling with it. They didn't come to hear you. They want to be helped to grieve. They want to be given hope in Jesus. Do those things. Stay away from, that's what I'm saying. 10 10 minutes, maybe 15. Stay off the, don't let the focus be you. Mm -hmm. Keep the focus on the person and the focus on Jesus and the focus on the family, help them grieve and get off the platform. 
Yeah. When you think about it, the families, they're, gr- they're there grieving. They are hurting. There's a lot of people that are only there as they should be to show support and to to walk with them through that. And those folks are taking off work. They're running out of their, you know, and, and if you're just up there making it about you, you're just really um, stepping in the way of a lot of people from doing what they need to do. And so I wouldn't do that. Another little piece of advice that may not come, you, you may learn this the hard way is I have read the obituary I don't more times than I've preached because I'm a young pastor and because, you know, I'm an established church pastor. Typically, um, the other two churches that I pastored there were long-term pastors. And so they do the majority of the actual preaching because they knew the people more, which by the way, is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I end up reading the obituary. Um, just, I don't know if that's a regional tradition, but somebody already always reads the obituary. That's usually me. Well, early on, um, I would just walk in, somebody would hand me an obituary, and I'd know when my time is to go up, I'd go up and read it. It's not that hard, right? You can read. The problem is, though, those things are filled with names. And if you don't know how to say that name, or you think you know how to say that name, I mean, there was one this last time that I did a couple of weeks ago, and it was something like H-I-G-Y, something like that. And um, I was not totally sure. So, I circled it and I walked over to a friend. I said, how do you say that? And they're like, oh, Haggai. And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't going to say that. So, you know, just circle those names and kind of walk over to somebody you know and ask them, how do I say this? How do I say this? How do I say this? And sometimes even the punctuation may throw you off. And so, like this last time I had to ask, okay, so this these names that follow, these are their spouses, right? That's a husband. That's a wife. That's a husband. And then I even asked, are they still married? All three of those, are they still married? Because I don't want to, you know, say the wrong thing or say it out of order or something like that. So, you just want to kind of read through that if you're going to read the obituary. Great point because a lot of times the handouts at the, the funerals prepare, the punctuation, I've noticed that the punctuation, the semicolons and the colons and the it's parentheses confusing. get very challenging. Like, who is – like? A, Who's the daughter? Who's the mother? Who's right. the son? Who's the father? Yeah, you're like, are these married? No, that's their first child. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, all right. you can well, look like a that. fool uh, trying to read through. If, if the tradition is to read through mm-hmm. that, which I've seen that before myself, uh, it's not really a tradition down here in Florida, but it's where we are, but it is in other places. You can look like a fool if you're, you know, naming somebody and, you know, they're they're the aunt and you call them the daughter or something mm-hmm. like that. And it, And most people are forgiving and they understand, but- you want to do your best to get that right. Oh, and another thing is like sometimes you don't know what to do and I get that. Like so when you're done preaching, what do you do? And so what I do and I, this never has done anything wrong is I just go stand down a, like three or four steps away from the head of the casket. I'll step three or four and as they do the, you know, the people that walk by and they hug, I just shake every hand. Every single hand that comes by, I just, I stand there. Sometimes. I'm tempted to just kind of, you know, slink off into the back or stay out of the way. But that looks, to me, it looks like a disinterest. And so, for personal, if you just don't know and you're okay with whatever, that's where I stand. I get done preaching and then I go stand right there unless there's another song or something. So, um, that's just an invite. I don't know if somebody needs to know what to do afterwards, but that's what I do afterwards. Yeah, I would agree. I humbly take the lead there. Mm -hmm. Um, Pete, you need to be, if you're the lead pastor especially, um, you need to be seen um, 
at, you know, as, as a comforting presence. So yeah, you know, slinking off into the back, that's not the time mm -hmm. uh, to, to do that. You, you need to be a very visible presence as a comfort to the family. Do you guys um, do, you said there, so in Florida, there's not a lot of actual barriers, memorials. Uh, Micah, do you do gravesides? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Many you, times. Is it the tradition in your area to do, there's a funeral and then there's a graveside? Absolutely. Yeah, I do as well. And what I find is I preach a sermon. If I'm preaching the sermon, I just preach a, like a regular sermon that I wrote. That's correct. I have a standard graveside that's scripture in quotes. That's, it's traditional. It's these yeah, like, you know, ashes right. to ashes, dust to dust, those sort of things. And it's very short. And I really like that. I like, yeah. you know, doing the graveside is a very traditional way, not writing a whole nother sermon. Yeah. And the graveside, that's a really good point, Josh. It's one to mention. When I teach, um, when I do the graveside, not teach, sorry, when I do the graveside service, it's uh, five to seven minutes, maybe mm -hmm. tops. I read some mm -hmm. scripture. Uh, I'm like you, it's very traditional. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't belabor the point. We've already done the message. Right. And I always say on behalf of the family, we'd mm -hmm. like to thank those of you and, and, and then just read, you know, usually a Psalm and then few words and then that's it. And then I always, another thing, what do you do after that? Well, in our area, traditionally, you take the flower. What is that called? The one on my suit? Um, the the little flower. The boutonniere? Is yeah, that what that is? I take that off and I place it on the casket. That's the tradition. And then all the... Um, Interesting. I never, oh, I have never had a boutonniere for a funeral. Not one time ever. I, I always get one. And that's interesting. I take that off and I put that on the, the casket there and walk by and we'll usually, you know, hug or shake the hand of the family in that front row. And then I kind of, and then at that point I do step back and then kind of not immediately, but slowly remove myself because there's going to be a long kind of family time at that point and I'm not in the family. So, um, I just kind of, you know, do what I need to do and then remove myself. So, anything else? Last minute words? No, I, the graveside service, I usually just, the few times I've done them, mm -hmm. um, I just read scripture. Right. You know, a couple of minutes and uh, very traditional, just like you guys. And yeah. rather than write a whole new thing, I, I have a standard set of scriptures that I use. Um, so, if you're struggling with what to do there, I mean, frankly, you can just say, hey, guys, I'm, we're going to find comfort in God's word and just read some scripture about, you know, the gospel, read some scripture about, you know, comfort for mm -hmm. those who are grieving. The Psalms are great. I mean, there's passages in uh, the gospels that talk about what Christ is, you know, doing in our lives, even through death. So, that's what I do. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this is helpful and we'll catch you next week. Hey, this is Tom Rayner. I'm here to tell you about Church Initiative. This ministry partner has been around for a quarter century, 25 years, and they're the creator of two highly respected ministries that can help your church grow and revitalize. They are Grief Share and Divorce Care. I just commend them to you greatly. I know you're busy, so the thought of adding another ministry sounds challenging. But the makers of grief care, share and divorce care get that. It's why they have a team of experienced coaches. They equip your church members to get the program started. So it's not just on your plate. Pastors are saying this is one of the most easiest, most effective ministries they've ever offered. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash EST to learn more about this life-changing support group that will draw people to your church. 
or check today's show notes and you can find the link there. Make sure you join us and learn about Church Initiative and their great ministries. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.